1: Alright, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, Bet Online has all the latest news, scores, and odds to help you win big. The best part, you'll receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code. Blue Wire to receive literally free money. Plus, signing up is a great way to support the podcast you're listening to in your ears right now. Again, that's promo code Blue Wire, all one word. When you sign up at BetOnline.ag, BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts.
0: Blue Wire.
1: Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's gonna be scary. Not for us. <laughs>
0: And Westbrook is on the freeway.
1: What's up guys? Welcome to the Podcast. My name is Solomon Ali at Soul Monolith NBA on Twitter. Here joined by Craig Ackerman. Craig, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's been a while since I talked to you. How, how have you been? Like how have you been personally before we get into the Rockets?
0: Um, well, I was a little sick over the All-Star break and have still have a little bit of a cough, but other than that I'm fine and nobody really cares. But thank you for asking
1: no i care i care i care craig uh, okay so let's get let's get into this first what do you think when the rockets first traded for robert company actually let's go further than that did you ever believe the rockets would trade Clint capella even when the first rumors are coming out um
0: I, well i've been around long enough to realize that um anything uh is possible uh, when daryl uh is in charge and so um I'm never surprised by anything uh, that happens uh, around here Um, but you know um, they uh, what I realized over the last year and a half um, and look I gotta preface this this by saying that Clint's a terrific young player and I think once he gets healthy he's gonna be a really good fit um, with the Atlanta Hawks but Clint is very dependent um, on ball passes to be able to contribute on offense and over the last season, plus um, more and more, that's been taken. has been taken away by opposing defenses, um, so they have not been as effective and efficient with that with him as the vertical spacers we've seen uh, in years past. And then you couple him uh, with Russell Westbrook, and then you have two non-spacers out there, which was kind of hurting everybody. That kind of hurt that lob situation that I was just discussing. Uh, it clogged the lane for James driving, it clogged the lane for Russell Westbrook um, driving um, and so again, nothing surprises me um, and I kind of understood the rationale um, when it happened um, I will admit that when it did happen I still was very much like, okay we need to take a wait and see you know, approach here because you know this will still be very much uh, a work in progress but I think now that we're what, 8, 10, 11 games in to um, the Rockets you know, selling out full bore on small ball. Uh, it looks like it's going to work.
1: Yeah, and I, I understood all that. Like, I understood the Rockets running running less and less pick and roll. I understood the floor spacing element. This trade still surprised me because, in general, like, just going like this is just a Maury thing. Like, Maury does not make major trades at the trade deadline. He makes those in the off season. He does not make them during the trade deadline. He, he'll more likely make a trade for Lou Williams or Corey Brewer. Or something like that, then he will make a trade um involving a major piece of his roster. And and that that's the part that threw me off. And I thought if the Rockets were ever gonna trade Clinkapella, it would happen in in the off season and you know that 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 part of it threw me off, and obviously you know going all in on small ball like that that was it's still a controversial idea, and yes the early returns have been good, but it is very very new, and this idea that other teams have done it before, yeah, the other teams have done small ball before, but they haven't done it for forty eight minutes a game, and that's what's so unique about this and like i mean if you just look at p j Tucker's minutes, he's already played. Over 200 more minutes at center than Draymond Green, even at his peak, and there's still 20 plus games remaining in the Rockets' season. So that just tells you how much more of this the Rockets, well, the Rockets have. The Rockets will tell you that PJ Tucker's
0: he's not he's not uh, he's not their center. He doesn't defend centers. But that that lies with James Harden and now Robert Covington and Eric Gordon. He's on the floor. I mean, they'll they'll tell you that he's basically guarding the best permanent defender. Um, even though again, he does get switched up there. But I, but no. But I, I get your point that. The Warriors did this um, when it came down to winning time, and in large part, that's what made Golden State so dominant is because nobody could match up with that group. And the Rockets, you got to go back a couple of years ago. They looked at Golden State as the gold standard, which was a, the appropriate way to look at things, as the team to beat one of the great teams in the history of the sport. And how do we match up with them? How do we try to compete with them because nobody is? And they figured that they've got to try to match their elite level of small ball with a level of their own that unfortunately um was a hamstring and a fluky over 27 shooting performance from three away from the Rockets getting to the NBA finals and I don't realize this is all revisionist history but the finals I think the Rockets probably would have won uh if they would have gotten there they didn't uh Chris Paul got a hurt they had double digit leads in both those games uh missed all the threes it didn't happen Golden State moved on one-on-one you know they went on to win another title but that's that's really the main impetus for the Rockets initially, you know, trying to put together the roster that they did a couple of years ago, is how do we match up with Golden State? Because their death lineup, if you will, was, was so dominant.
1: Yeah. So here are the early returns. Well, actually... Let's talk about Robert Covington for a second because this thing with the blocks it's just getting out of hand it's it's ridiculous. I didn't know I didn't know he had this in him. Like the, like I I knew he was a good shot blocker, but he only did like he only had like one block a game right now with the Rockets he's averaging 2.6. And I feel like playing more power forward and playing more center, playing more big positions has unlocked something w- within him defensively that I don't think other teams saw. Like just playing down like playing down the paint being able to get those weak side blocks being in those positions and playing big his you know most teams have played him at small forward and I've I've even seen him play shooting guard at times like playing you know full-time power forward and occasionally center is different for him and I feel like it's unlocked something that you know it's really you know negated some of the, the paint presence that Clint Capella had because you know Robert Covington and PJ Tucker have been playing so big
0: well, you know, one thing, also kind of going back to the Capella point, is that the Rockets, the last several seasons, even with them, have not been a very good defensive team in the paint. They've been bottom third. Um, you know, they're rebounding the last couple of seasons, even with Clint Capella and his big numbers. Um, they've not been very good. So, again, they this trade was about, all right, how do we double and triple down on the things that we do well and try to maximize those and just kind of forget about the stuff that we don't do well and see if that's ultimately enough you know, to to, uh, to get us over the hump. But I think with Robert Covington and everybody else, that in addition to them, you know, them going small, it's forced a mentality where they've got to play harder. Um, and I think we've seen some effort issues. Um, Rear's is ugly head at times earlier this season. And with this group, there's no other way to play. If they don't play all out and they don't play hard, then they're going to get burned uh, at the rim and now they can switch everything and since they're switching everything and they're playing harder and Covington's a very athletic wing player who was already very, always very good disrupting passing lanes well now he's just playing a little bit closer to the rim and disrupting shots uh, at the rim and he's been terrific and as you well know when he and P.J. Tucker have shared the floor together the Rockets defense has been elite and that's what they've been looking for and their offense was always good even with Clint uh, but they were just trying to find a way to to become better defensively and it looks like that they've unlocked that as well.
1: Yeah, so the effort issue point that you said really stuck to me because I'm not sure if you saw this quote from Austin Rivers last night about the defensive communication with the Rockets and how when they're switching everything, they're forced to communicate like crazy in a way that they haven't had to do before because they always knew Clint Capella was there in the back to bail them out. Now they don't have that. Their point of attack defense has to be sharp. Their switching has to be sharp. And it's forced them to communicate more in Austin Rivers' Words than they have in his entire tenure with the rockets, and th- that's really something that stuck with me like they 're trying so much harder because they have to try so much harder. playing smaller forces them to give more effort as a team, and I think it's really benefited them defensively yes. in addition to uh just being more athletic and having more switchable wings uh just the effort issue like having being having to gang rebound and having to uh you know, make everything precise. That's I think really helped them.
0: And it's an us against the world um, kind of mentality too, because everybody was laughing at them uh, when when the trade was made. Um, that and everybody was doubting that they could they could do anything. Um, and it's I galvanized the team in terms of, oh, you want to count us out? Well, okay, watch us." And, and again, I think just. Between the years, like you mentioned, and we talked about it, just they're playing harder, uh, they're playing smarter, um, and uh, they're a galvanized group. And then you had Jeff Green, uh, and I. When he, as soon as he was released by Utah, I, mean, I, I can't speak publicly when guys are free agents if they're not part of the Rockets, well, if they're not part of the Rockets and so forth. But I was talking to our people. I mean, our people like guys. You know, I work with the team. I was like, oh, they got to try to go get Jeff Green. They got to try to go get Jeff Green. Uh, It took a while, but they got him, and he's been amazing, and DeMar Carroll still very much looks like he's got stuff left in the tank, especially defensively, and now all of a sudden the Rockets, who um, weren't necessarily the deepest team two months ago, or at least a a team with depth that that the coaching staff trusted, uh, now have legitimate depth, and depth that the coaches trust. And I think that's also been a, a big point over the last couple of weeks that the Rockets bench has been mm-hmm. relatively, they've had their their moments and individually they've had their moments over the last season and a half, but collectively they've been amongst the least productive and least efficient groups in the league. And, and it looks like that, that trend is, has changed as well. And that, that can be very scary for other teams around the league, because if they can find a way to maximize that second unit, particularly those minutes where James is off and Russ is on, uh, the Rockets are going to be
1: tough to beat. Yeah, and I had Matt Moore on my podcast last week, and we talked about the additions of Jeff Green and Damari Carroll. And, you know, I, I talked about how I was, like, really excited to see Damari Carroll on this team and see how he would fit in defensively. And he's like, you no, 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 you need to pay attention to Jeff Green. Jeff Green... Is the bigger addition here? He he, uh, over the past few years, has made himself into a really productive player, and his reputation precedes him. But he's really bucked that ever since he went to the Cavs and made himself a pretty good player, a pretty good role player, and understood, okay, I'm a role player. These are the things I need to do. I need to have energy. I need to be athletic. I need to play competent defense and then I can get myself real real playing time on these contending teams and you know that so far that's been true Jeff Green has been the more impactful signing I would say Damari Carroll has been good like I thought I thought last night was his best game with the Rockets he was uh especially in that first quarter defensively he looked great um getting in passing lanes and he even def- like I think he got a shot blocked in the first quarter um so he's looked good, but Jeff Green to me has surprised me in you know how how well he's played so far with the team. So I need to get to this. This is the Rockets in February. They're eight and two as a team. They they have a one nineteen point three offensive rating, second in the league. One oh nine point zero defensive rating. That's ninth in the league. Uh, they're plus ten point four net rating. That's second in the league, only behind the Bucks, who have been playing out of their minds. Uh, so this is all good. I get that, but. This right here is uh, the the stat that stuck out to me. They're dead last in defensive and offensive rebounding percentage, Uh, but they're forcing 18.2 turnovers per game, which is second in the league they're They're making up for those possessions that they're losing on the glass with the, with the extra possessions they're getting in turnovers, so this has always been my chief concern. Can you build a good, sustainable defense that will work in the postseason without defensive rebounding? It's a very new school idea, and it and and it's to a lot of people, including myself, like i I just had my you know my suspicions about whether or not it'd work but but over the over the regular season, so far, it has worked. What have you thought about this?
0: Uh, well, in terms of the playoffs, I guess we're all going to have to find out, right? Um, yeah. And I'm still, I'm curious myself, and that was part of my wait and see approach, you know, that I talked about earlier when, the, when the Covington trade was made at the at the deadline. Um, but that's Mike D'Antoni's been talking about this since the trade that they feel like where they give up, they weren't a very good rebounding team anyway with Clint, um, and so they just they just basically gave in uh to that notion right we're not going to be very good with him and we're going to be a little bit worse without him then let's improve uh in other areas which is committing less turnovers forcing more turnovers and creating other opportunities and making up for the deficiency on rebounding he's been preaching that since the trade went down and he's proven uh to be right um that the rocket's uh, they had a lot of turnovers last night, but that game at times was ugly and over. And I think they lost their focus, and it just got a little bit sloppy. But um, that seems to be the goal, that they think that they, even though on most nights and they're going to get beat up on the glass, um, that they can make up for that because they're valuing more of their possessions when they have them with fewer turnovers. Um, they're making Russell Westbrook a far more efficient player each and every possession because he's basically getting the rim whenever he wants to and per- converting at a ridiculous rate. And then we're going to force other turnovers, which will fuel our transition game, which um, now fits our personnel even better. So um, yeah, he, he was right that that's what they, that, that's the edge that they would get. You can't do, there's no such thing as a, as the perfect team. I mean, I, I guess in recent memory, again, the, the Warriors of the last five years were probably, especially those with the three seasons with Durant were probably as close to perfect as you could get in NBA history. Um, So you're not going to find many, of any, perfect teams. And so you're going to have a deficiency and a weakness in one area. And again, the Rockets said, okay, well, we weren't all that great there. So um, all right, let's just kind of forget about that. And let's try to be so much better in these other areas where we think we can be so much better at. And that'll make up the difference. And again, so far, so good.
1: Mike always talked about how, yeah, we're going to lose the rebounding battle. But can you score on us twice in a row? Like once you get that second rebound, fine, you'll get it. But can you score on us that second possession? Because we're going to be so good on post defense. Like we have all these thick defenders that can that can force really inefficient shots. That I don't think you'll be able to score efficiently on that second possession. So we're going to go ahead and give that up. And on top of that, we're going to get these these extra possessions through the turnovers. And you know it, it, it's. It's interesting because last season at the second half, when the Rockets really started to make a run post-All-Star break, because they also made a run last year post-All-Star break, they did this very similarly. Like They were forcing a bunch of turnovers and weren't rebounding well either. And I'm wondering if the Rockets saw that and decided screw it w- let's try it since it since it worked last season and i f- and we think it can be the best way for us to play let's just double down on it let's you know let's make let's trade clinkerbell let's get robert coming to let's force more and more turnovers it's let's, let's let's try and be a good defense that way as you said because we can't be a good defense the other way we can't be a good defense in the traditional sense so we're going to be a, a good defense in the non-traditional sense. And so far, it's worked. Ninth in the league in February. I mean, it's you—you you can't you know, argue with the results so far. No, 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 not whatsoever. And again, are they sustainable
0: over the rest of the regular season, on in the playoffs? I mean, we'll all—we'll we'll all find out. But I mean, it was that—that that seems to be the general idea and theory behind all of it. Not to mention Clint, um, as I said, he's a really good young player, and I think he's going to have a really good time with the Atlanta Hawks once he gets healthy. He was really the Rockets' only credible asset um, in terms of young player on a value contract that would be coveted. Um, And, you know, so if you were looking to drastically improve this team, and let's not be fooling ourselves, the window for this team isn't like five years on down the road. It's basically, you know, the prime window for this team is this season and next season and maybe one more after that, but the the window is tight here with this group. And so we're going to go for it. Uh, then we got to go for it. And uh, as we all know, again, going back to my initial point, uh, nothing ever surprises me around here. Darrell has been as much of a risk-taker as there's ever been in his position in this league. Uh, He's always willing to roll the dice and live with the results, even though sometimes those results don't pan out and he gets heavily criticized for it. But he doesn't care. Uh, he's going to do things his way, and it seems like that's been the case as well for Mike D'Antoni over the course of, of his career. And uh, they said, again, we're going to quadruple, double, triple down on this, and we will live with the results, whatever those results may be. And again, that's all still to determine.
1: Yeah, and by the way, I'm not one to meddle on conspiracy theories. I'm someone who, I, I will believe what I'm told, but... I just don't buy that Robert Covington six seven. I don't care what anybody says. It's an election year. You cannot lie. I want I want people to be honest about this. I've stood next to the guy. I've seen him in person. There's no way he's not at least six eight or if not six nine. Like I, like this idea that the Rockets are playing six seven or under guys like every game like that's just not true. Like Robert Covington, I feel is much much bigger than his listed height. I don't care that the NBA did these height measurements at the beginning of the season. I feel like they messed up there or someone fudged it. He's much taller than than six <laughs> seven.
0: When he was in that game against the Lakers, when he was standing next to Anthony Davis, it certainly seemed like he was bigger than he was listed. Um, it, it seemed that way to me, and I was there. I was like, um, "Yeah, he seems a little bit bigger than than I thought he was." Um, but he's got great length. He's very athletic. Um, you know, PJ Tucker. He, you know what he gives up in height. He what half the battle is in sports, right? I mean, if you play hard, uh, you can make up for a lot of shortcomings in this team ever since it's now at its product where we currently see it at. This team is playing incredibly hard. I mean, Ben McLemore can't miss a shot. Austin Rivers, after that awful game that he had in Oklahoma City when Russell Westbrook went back and the Rockets were blown out, has been better than at any point he's been. And he was pretty darn good last year after he was after he decided to sign after being released by the Suns, and he was pretty darn good for the Rockets last year. But since that OKC game, I think he's been better than he was at any point last year, which is a really good thing. He's thriving uh, in this five-out system, able to get to the rim, and he's knocking down shots. And again, Ben McLemore is a guy who had one foot out of the league. The Rockets, as they've done over and over and over and over again over the years, are always, if somebody's available... Dice On a guy who was selected high in the lottery, and they rolled the dice up Ben McMorris, who had one foot out of the league, um, and he has uh, made them look really good because he has played really good basketball ever since he had it. over the ever, since the first six weeks of the year when he was just kind of feeling his way through and and uh, kind of learning his new team. He's been absolutely terrific. He's their best shooter. Um, the pieces are just they just seem to be coming along. Everything seems to be seems to be fitting at the right time. There's still some work to be done because they still have to try to jump over both the Clippers and the Nuggets, and that's not going to be um, an easy task. Um, nobody's catching the Lakers at this point, so the goal is to try to finish uh, as high as two, and at this rate, who knows, maybe with, that, with the way they're playing and the way the Jazz are playing, maybe it'll be Houston and Utah again for the third straight year in that kind of a matchup, but uh, that's that's their goal. Their goal initially was to finish first, but again, that's, that's out of the equation now, and and they have what uh, how many games we have left what 20 25 24 um, something like that they're 30 and 20 now so what 24 games uh, yeah. left um, and um, we'll see if, if they can jump over both of those teams they don't play Denver anymore so that's not going to help their cause in that regard, um, but they do play the Clippers one more time, and that would be an awfully big game in Houston because much like this most recent game in Salt Lake City, the tiebreaker will be on the line, so they could, with a win, get a two-game swing in the standings over the Clippers, So, uh, and outside of some matchups here or there, the Rockets do have a fairly favorable schedule uh, the rest of the season, one that you would think that they could take advantage of, especially when you go into the last you know, you, get, you hit April when they don't even leave the state of Texas um, after they after they come off that big, long road trip, which won't be easy. But once they come off of that, they don't even leave the state of Texas to end the regular season. So you would think that with their added depth and very little travel, um, and they should be primed, rested, and rolling when the playoffs begin.
1: Yeah, so... It's not impossible. Like the the second seed is very much in their gas. Like they just have to put up an absurd winning percentage. Which, as you said, their schedule is very favorable to end out the year. They're two games behind the, of the Nuggets right now. They they can finish this up. They can they can get a high winning percentage. They just have to wait for a couple of things to go their way. So I I believe you mentioned.
0: Wouldn't it be nice to, to finish on the opposite bracket of the Lakers and Clippers? I mean, that's
1: what that's well, what I mean, they would hope for, would you, right? Would you, would if they finish, they would, they
0: would prefer, I think, 2-3 in some order would be Denver-Houston. And then the Clippers finishing fourth, I think, would be an ideal playoff situation.
1: Yeah, you would think. You would think that that, that, would, that would work to their benefit. And obviously, uh, home court advantage for the first two rounds of the playoffs would really, really help their cause. So I believe you mentioned Westbrook earlier. And he he in the month of February has just been ridiculous. Thirty two point three points per game, seven point one rebounds per game, six point one assists per game, one point six deals per game, uh fifty four point two percent shooting from the field, and he's actually been really good from three point range, thirty eight point nine percent from three point range, he's only taking like two per game, but in the in the threes that he's taking he's actually been pretty good catch and shoots right yeah yeah and they're mostly wide open catch and shoot and he's not taking as much as he was in the beginning of the season so he's limiting those which has worked to his benefit uh he's he's, he has a true shooting percentage of 58.7 which is really good an interesting development that i've been keeping an eye on and this is actually westbrook like this is actually westbrook's most efficient season since his mvp year like true shooting percentage wise he started off the year awful um And ever since then, he's abandoned shooting threes and he's had this additional spacing. Um, He's looked great. I mean, this has changed the way I thought the Westbrook trade in that I'm, I'm actually not as opposed to it as I was before. I still wouldn't have done it myself, but I think I understand their reasoning now. I think if you look at Harden and Westbrook for the month of February, they're on pace to be the first two teammates to average 30 points per game since Shaq and Kobe. So they're playing really, really well alongside each other in a way I didn't think they'd coalesce to at the beginning of the season.
0: Well, I've said this before. When the Rockets played so many years against Russ, there's good Russ and there's bad Russ. And then when the Rockets were playing against him, he wanted to maximize the bad Russ because that meant he was very inefficient. And even though he might put up 50 points in a game, he's probably going to walk out of the gym a winner because he was put it up in a very inefficient fashion. And that's what the Rockets have been trying to work on All season, and ultimately, I mean, everything we've already talked about the trade. I mean, that's what this comes down to, right? I mean, Russ is under contract uh, for three more years uh, after this, right? Three more years after this, at a very high number. Um, And I know realize there's no such thing as an unturnable contract, but you know, it's a very high number for a guy who's not getting any younger, um, and his fit has to be right in certain places. And so, basically, you're married to Russell Westbrook. And so, how do you try to take his unique and explosive skill set and maximize it to its greatest efficiency? And that ultimately, for everything that we've already discussed about the trade, that's, that's what it was about. And, you know, he's been playing great since the first week of December, but his efficiency, as you mentioned over the last month, has been where they need it to be. Um, and those minutes, again, where Harden is off and Russ is on might ultimately make or break this team from making a deep playoff run and if they can make those minutes where Harden is off and Russ is on ones that they're winning um then again this team is going to be really really hard to beat because even if James is having an off nine in a poor shooting game the Rockets still ends up te- typically winning those minutes anyway because he's just such a unique player but when he takes rests and they have fallen off Dramatically, they need Russ to take over those reins and be a net positive player, and to a lesser extent, Eric Gordon as well. And and that was the whole impetus, the main impetus behind this trade. And it too seems to be working because they've unlocked um, what seems to be a much younger, super explosive Russell Westbrook that absolutely positively cannot be stopped one on one going to the basket. Some of the plays he made last night even after Grizzlies makes, were amazing. I mean, he beat like five guys down the floor for bucket after bucket after bucket, and um, this is the kind of player that the Rockets needed. they ultimately want to get to the finals and compete for a championship.
1: Yeah, he's just getting down the court in like less than four seconds. He's looked so fast. And I feel like part of this is the knee, right? He had that procedure at the beginning of the season with his knee. He missed some of training camp in preseason. And he's it took him some time to get over that. And I feel like he's starting to look like more of himself again. I went back and I listened to the podcast I had with you in the off season, and I remember the specific questions that stuck with me, uh, so I wrote it down. And I, you asked the question, "How can the Rockets harness the good Russ and limit the bad Russ?" And I feel like that's part of the part of the logic that went at the trade deadline, right? And and part of the logic that's going into Russ playing the way he's playing in limiting his three pointers and just. Instead of those three-pointers, I'm going to go to the basket. And if I see a mid-ranger, that's fine. I'll take it. But my primary goal was to get to the basket. And if I get fouled at the rim, I'll get fouled at the rim. And I'll shoot, you know, 75 to 85% at the free throw line. And I feel like he's looked like more of himself and, you know... I will ahead and ask you like, how have your thoughts at all changed since the trade? I remember at, like you said something along the lines of you, you didn't really have an opinion at this time. You wanted to see more of it now, now that you've seen 50 or so games of Russell Westbrook, uh, how do you feel about the trade now?
0: Well, you know, one of the ironies is that when the drink was first made, it was everybody thought, well, um, you know, everybody kind of understood some of his shortcomings. And he's like, he's a hall of fame player. He's going into the hall of fame. Um, he's had enormous success both individually and team-wise in his career. But everybody understood what what his shortcomings are and were and what they may or may not mean uh, to this, this new Rockets team. But everybody felt like, okay, we're going to get Russ. You know, you don't necessarily have to worry about this guy being hurt. Uh, and Chris Ball had been hurt the previous couple of years. Here's the irony is that Chris Ball hasn't been hurt uh, at all this season yeah. uh, with Oklahoma City. He's actually played more games than Russell Westbrook, but credit uh, to Chris. Uh, he's had a great year. And a little side note, when we were in Minneapolis the last time, um, they actually came in, uh, was it the night before our game? Because Minnesota had a home-and-home, back-to-back with us and OKC. Uh, and they came in, and we had a chance, uh, had a chance to catch up with him briefly, kind of uh, uh, in the lobby of the hotel. And a uh, really great guy, and I'm so happy for, for, for his success. And, I, and again, I thought he was terrific. When he was here, the problem is, is that when he was here, you know, he, he kept getting hurt, and that was a concern for this team. And uh, obviously, it helped did not help their cause in in the Western Conference Finals against Gold State. But to me, as, as you mentioned, it always came down to can you maximize the good Russ? Because good Russ is outstanding. Good Russ is explosive. Good Russ is as good of a, in front of a watch as there is in the league. The, Sometimes he, you know, straddles, he crosses over that line, um, as we've seen some of these technical fouls, and he tends to get a lot of control sometimes uh, and turn the ball over in, in bad situations. But the guy plays super hard all the time, and he is as good as they come in the league playing downhill. And so you want to try to get him playing downhill as often as possible. And with the lane now completely cleared up and nobody there to clog it up. Uh, and the Rockets forcing more turnovers, which means more opportunities for runouts. Um, you've got you've got a whole lot of good rust, and that should mean good things for this team moving forward.
1: Yeah, the technical fouls thing is a storyline I did not expect to develop this season. Like that's he, he is really striding that well, line. He,
0: he's, he's always a teacher. He's always amongst the leaders.
1: But but so is Chris Paul for that matter. But he's in suspension range now. I don't has he ever gotten yeah, to fourteen? He is, yes. Has he ever gotten to fourteen technical fouls? Like, do you have the stats on that?
0: Um, I don't know if, if he's gotten, I, I'm pretty sure he's flirted with, um, a suspension. I don't know if he's gotten all the way there, but my guess, if I had to guess, I don't have anything in front of me on this. My guess is he's flirted with this, um, many times. Um, the one last night I know has, apparently it's not going to be rescinded. That was a little bogus to me. The ones, the two that he picked up against the Warriors were unneeded, uh, and unnecessary. And again, a, a guy like him, he needs to walk that line. To be the, you know, that's the reason why he's going to go into the Hall of Fame, and he's had, he's had, he's an MVP, and he's had the success that he's had in this league because he walks that fine line because that's what he needs to be the player that he is, and occasionally he crosses over that line. The two T's against Golden State were unneeded and unnecessary in a game the Rockets were dominating, and then the one last night, and you know, would just been another T, and nobody wouldn't really be that big of a deal but you know now it is and I guess if he ultimately is going to get to 16 um you'd prefer to be in the game before the second night of a back-to-back where he was going to sit anyway so it wouldn't be a big deal and um and then hopefully he can just you know stay relaxed in that regard uh and have this thing reset uh in the playoffs which I highly doubt he'll ever reach the the T threshold in the playoffs but I, my guess is that he's probably flirted with this before.
1: Yeah, and the NBA will never admit this, but I do believe that some players have a shorter leash with the technical fouls than others, and I feel like Westbrook is definitely one of those players. Like the technical foul last night, that was such a high school technical foul, like taunting, like really, like it's it's such a like a B team kind of foul, like like technical foul, like it's something that you know I, I wish we would see less of in the league. It's just we're, we're better than that, but. Uh, it is something that the that the Rockets and Westbrook have to monitor and be careful of uh, going forward. And if if it comes to that, you know, on a back to back, obviously you'd like that to come uh, before then. But you, you know what's funny? Right now, the Rockets are in a four five matchup with the Thunder. If the play if the season ended today, uh, going back to the Chris Paul trade, the, the Rockets would play the Thunder in the first round. Like that's a legitimate like playoff threat. Like as in like the, the that would be. Insane it would be an awesome series it would, <laughs> it would be. A good series. it would be it would the drama would be spectacular like it, i don't know if okc can hold on to this four or five matchup but if they can or if they if they if they drop down to six and the rockets can get the three seed like that's that's just popcorn popcorn playoff matchup
0: yeah it would be uh it would be epic uh and and I have to tip my cap, man. Again, the Rockets got crushed in Oklahoma City. It was, again, second game of back-to-back for them. But the atmosphere and what they did for Russ was absolutely incredible. Um, uh, they kind of did things a little bit differently. Their tribute video came before the game, right before he was introduced. Um, and I, I was I was talking with one of their broadcasters about this. There really aren't many markets and players in the league where I think if a guy had spent as much time as he had in one organization and then left and came back for the first time, that the organization would do that for him, and then the fans would give that player that kind of reception. The only other guy in the league I can think of would be Damian Lillard. Like, for some reason, they traded him away, and he came back for the first time. Um, It was incredible, and that series would just be absolutely as you mentioned, lots of popcorn for everybody because you've got some incredible competitors, all the storylines, all the ties. Uh, they have, they do have playoff history. Lots of playoff history between the two organizations. Uh, it would be, it would be epic uh, if it ended up uh, transpiring, and I think it would be fun for a lot of basketball fans. So I, I don't think it necessarily would be an easy series. Uh, for the Rockets, um, but it would be it would be epic for basketball fans for sure.
1: The only thing that would make it better is if they if they got Scott Foster for one of those games. then that 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 would just put it over the top <laughs> in terms of the theatrics. Everybody better keep their jerseys tucked in. That's what I'll say. That's what I'll say. Um, so thank you so much for coming on, Craig. Uh, where can we where can we follow your work and and follow you on Twitter? Uh, Twitter's C N C A underscore
0: Rockets and. Uh, home radio road TV, generally speaking, although I do have radio in Boston uh, Saturday night since it's an ABC exclusive, so Matt Thomas and I will will have the, the play call from Boston, one of my favorite places in the league, uh, to do games. That atmosphere Saturday night is going to be absolutely uh, incredible as it normally is in Boston, but I think people will really be frothing uh, at, the, at their mouths uh, for that game because Boston's playing really well. The Rockets already beat them once, so they're going to want... To extract some revenge on Houston. The Rockets want to keep rolling. Both teams are in very tight playoff races and their respective conferences, but uh, it will be awesome And Monday night, of course, when we go back to New York. Uh, we are doing TV, so I'll do TV there, so I uh, appreciate it, man. Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fun. Thank you so much for coming on. All right, that was Craig Ackerman. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and listen to him on the Rockets broadcast. He is really, really freaking good, like way above average on League Pass good. Subscribe to this podcast on Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Give us five stars because I really hope people find the show. Follow me on Twitter, at NBA. And yeah, guys, good night.